Welcome into another edition of the Gig'em 24-7 Sports Podcast. I am Andrew Hattersley, joined once again by Brian Peroni. Brian, how is everything going? Oh, it's a good little Monday, so... Or whatever day it is when this uh, goes live. Not supposed to give away inside baseball. The, yeah, the giving away the, the inside information right off the yeah. bat, right on the first, right, right off yeah. the go here. Fine, it's Monday, but I think yeah. this comes out early Tuesday, so we should be good. We should be golden. Uh, well, it's been a it was a big weekend for for A and M baseball specifically. We will touch on that. Um, collected a big series win over over Arkansas. Um, yeah, AM announced the centennial campaign, and I think we'll we'll start there with with that. It had been kind of talked about for for quite a while now, and AM finally, you know, kind of put the the plans and the renderings out there. Um, new IPF, new kind of wellness center, and and some adjustments to Bright, um, new indoor track. Um, basically, just going to kind of build on to that, build on to that. That area and 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 really blow it up was kind of what it seems like. Yeah, so I'm looking at the picture, you know, the the rendering that they released, and I've heard players say the football, the indoor football facility will be a lot bigger, but it looks like it's going to be like like a lot bigger, uh, you know, because right now you have the indoor facility sitting right next door to the indoor track stadium. And yeah. pretty much this new window facility is going to take the place of both of those track will move across the uh, across the train tracks over uh, near the other track complex near the outdoor track complex. So maybe it's not quite as big as the footprint of both of them together, but it almost is, which is a, a huge indoor thing. And, you know, recruits have mentioned that a lot. And, you know, that'll give, you know, I know when we've covered practice or camps on, in the indoor, you have uh, barely enough room to stand on the sidelines. You have players running routes. And I mean, if they run routes to the sideline or to the end zone, they could end up in the walls. So this will give uh, more room to practice and maybe, you know, an extra little area for offensive linemen maybe to go work at while everybody else uses the whole field. So uh, it definitely has recruits attention. And then the new academic and wellness center, just looking at that, I mean, that's, Right now, there's nothing there. That's parking lots and where the uh, PBS station is. So uh, that should be, you know, that's a draw for parents for sure. An academic center, a wellness center, you know, with food and and getting those guys and all sports, you know, properly, you know, get them proper nutrition. So this looks like it's going to be really, really nice. And AM already has some of the nicest facilities in college football. I mean, kids rave about that. And yeah, kids- they don't want to be left behind. So they're, you know, instead of keeping up with the Joneses, they want to be the Joneses and, and it looks nice. Yeah. Kind of, you know, one of the first things kids always mention is kids have, kids have always kind of said that they feel like A&M has some of the best facilities they visit. And, and, and what kind of struck me just about the way it's, what's put, it put, it's put together is that's kind of your first impression. Cause when recruits arrive, pretty much the first place they head to is the bright, football complex and it's going to almost it almost feels like it's going to be you know just a like a nice quad for them to walk into and be able to see everything on every on every which side and and it looks really impressive and and kind of gives off a really good first impression the inside looked really nice the locker rooms look really nice from from some of those pictures as well really spacious um really i think did an overall really nice job with it and just looking at the ipf as well um you know, I couldn't tell from the pictures if it maybe has like kind of a like a see-through look to it as well. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have that, so it 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 really looks impressive. And 
and like you said, might give them more room to work, especially the offensive linemen. Um, you could open the glass panels and kind of have, you know, guys working indoor and outdoor and, and be able to move, move freely. So, you know, and, and to your point, it, when it comes to facilities, you've always got to be updating them every couple of years and, and kind of giving a new fresh look. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the feedback on this is going to be really, really positive when, when recruits are able to see it and, um, you know, just listening to Ross Bjork, it, it sounds like there might be, you know, steps in the future as well with, with Bluebell Park and Breed Arena and, and some of this so it kind of feels like this is the, the first step in, in more to come. Yeah. So, Andrew, this is, uh, this is before your time because you're a little younger and, you know, weren't around A&M at this time. But late 90s, early 2000s, A&M had a weight room and indoor facility. It was called Needham Steed. And it was a, just sort of a corner of where the indoor track facility is now. Yeah. And the players then thought that was amazing. Yeah. If you looked at it now, I mean, this it wouldn't. It, it would not be as good as like a junior college facility. And so, you know, my brother played in that area, you know, under RC Slocum and, you know, he thought he just had it, had it made with all these great facilities. And then now he looks, he's like, you know, he's like, I played in the wrong time. You know, he's, yeah. he could have had the, I mean, just the weight room now, which is ridiculous. I mean, Needham stayed at a weight room. It had, I think it definitely had uh, some AstroTurf, downstairs and i think it was long enough to run the 40s but it was like a strip of astroturf and that's it that was the indoor facility at a&m was was the astroturf and they used to have uh the media would meet like underneath the uh alumni side of of kyle field sort of like almost in like a basement you know and that was the that was the area so yeah it's uh a&m has changed a bit since then i know rc slocum really had pushed for a lot of those changes and then Jimbo Fisher now pushing for changes. Cause that was a big deal with Florida state. He wasn't getting, you know, sort of some of the facilities that he thought he needed to recruit at Florida state. So A&M is, you know, when he came over, A&M made that commitment and they're living up to it. So yeah, yeah it's think, unrecognizable though for, for some of these, uh, for some of these old dudes. I think it kind of also just shows where, where A&M is with Jimbo Fisher, obviously just, just even looking at last year with the long-term contract extension and, and that was kind of, you know, giving him that commitment there. And then this off season with the facilities and some of that to come, you know, you mentioned just the support that, and, and just the, you know, the cohesion that we've talked about over the past year with the athletic department and, and kind of pulling behind them. Um, this is kind of another example of that. Oh no, for sure. I mean, it's, you, you can tell 100% the AD, the whole athletic department has Jimbo Fisher's back. Now, these are facilities, you know, the track facility, the, uh, you know, nutrition, all that. Other sports will use them, but football is the driving force. And you can tell that with football getting the, the giant new facility itself and pretty much everything but track, which has to be somewhere. Everything but track is used by football that they're building. So, yeah, A&M is not afraid to put money into that. And that also has to do with donors, you know, donors giving money, getting excited. The number four finish uh, two years ago in the uh, the COVID shortened season, you know, definitely got people excited. It was sort of the same thing when Johnny Menzel, uh, after Johnny Menzel's Heisman season, there was a lot of money came in and then Kyle Field got rebuilt. So, you know, it's, it always helps when there's like an exciting product on the field, but uh, Jimbo Fisher also has people excited off of it and just, you know, about the future of AM. No doubt. And speaking of, you know, excited and, and 
excitement around the program. We got to touch on uh, on the baseball team as well. Um, collected a big series win over the weekend over Arkansas. Um, are now ranked number twenty one by D one baseball. Um, didn't get the same sort of love from coaches poll. Kind of would no make, coaches. Take- coaches in baseball are apparently just as lazy as coaches in football. Like exactly, you know, I mean, they'd look. Hey, this team didn't lose a certain amount. You know, we can't drop them. Can't move somebody up unless other people lost. I mean, A and M has two top ten series wins in a row. They run ruled a ranked team in midweek. Now, midweek isn't as important. Doesn't go into rankings much, but still, a seven inning game in a midweek game against a top twenty five team at DBU that doesn't happen. And yeah, the coaches just, oh no, we'll put them uh, second, second under others receiving votes. They did move up in others receiving votes, but the fact they're not yeah. in the 25 is a bit ridiculous. Yeah, I know. And, and just looking at, I mean, it's just in the way they've done it too. And, you know, you look at even last weekend with 23 runs against Georgia in the finale, um, 14 runs um, on Tuesday last week, and then and then uh, kind of the Friday, the Friday game. against Arkansas so hits. Friday, Friday, Friday and Saturday were kind of low scoring games, but then they, you know, kind of jump out for five runs yesterday and, and jump right all over Arkansas. I had to hold on a little bit down the stretch. Um, but, you know, okay, the so Detmer had a great game again. He's with the reigning SEC pitch yeah. of the week, had a great game on Friday. Connor Nolan for Arkansas, who's was actually a quarterback recruit. I think he's just now given up football, but was a four star quarterback recruit. Had an incredible game for Arkansas, but AM got to him for two hits. Uh, I think it was in the fourth inning. The only two hits of the game, and AM won that game two to one. A big reason why Jacob Polish, uh, yeah. the reliever, you know, he came in, he got into, he came in in a jam, got AM out of the jam, and they ended up winning two to one. What does he do on Sunday? Sunday. AM jumped out to what, a 7 0 lead or something? It was 6-0 first inning or second inning, 7-0, I think. Eventually, Arkansas cut it to 11-10. In the eighth, had runners on second and third and no outs. That situation, I mean, a a sacrifice fly ties the game. A hit gives Arkansas the lead. I mean, this is a A A&M would have given up a seven-run lead. Polish comes in, or he's in before that. He did give up a hit. But once it mattered, when he had runners second, third, no outs, three strikeouts in a row against, you know, a team that had been hitting well all game and had just been pummeling pitchers that inning. Three strikeouts in a row. The, the one hit he gave up was to a, was to a, a, a pinch hitter. Then he faces the meat of the order and puts him down on strikes. It was amazing. And then a perfect uh, a perfect ninth inning to get the save. I mean, just, you know, he's – I haven't looked. I don't think it's been released as we're typing this, yeah. but it, he could be the SC Pitcher of the Week. And, yeah, it didn't – I guess he got two saves, but, you know, didn't have the stat line, you know, of a starter. But, but I mean, just to just to be able to come out after pitching four innings on Friday night and be ready to go on Sunday in a big moment um, with all the momentum going the way of Arkansas, um, you know, just just really impressive. And, you know, it, to be able to work out of a jam like that and clutch pitch. We talked about this with, with Sam, who's obviously um, – very, very tied into the baseball program and 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 everything going on there. And and we talked about this team was going to be exciting and they were going to, you know, they were going to challenge a lot of teams. And um, we specifically talked about this Arkansas series and Georgia series uh, previously that, you know, there's going to be some series that A&M are going to, is going to pick people off. It's going to come down to how the bullpen performs. That's 
obviously kind of the one concern that this this team's had this year but they're going to score they're going to score runs they're going to be aggressive on the bases they're going to challenge people and i think you started to see that kind of come come to fruition as the years got along and they're getting contributions even you know even looking early in the game Brad Rudis um you know f- to go 5 innings and um got off to a really strong start and and obviously struggled late in his outing but Got off to a really strong start, and to give it to yeah, be able first to first start of his career. That's a freshman yeah. first start of yeah. his career. To be able to get a contribution from him like that, and um, to close out a weekend series against against a top five opponent is just huge, and it shows you kind of the growth that, that that this team's had and the trajectory that they're on. They're getting better over the course of the year, and and that's kind of what you hope to see and expected to see, and and they're trending in the right direction. Yeah, we talked about polish in the bullpen, but also. Moo Minifee has been up and down all year. He's been up and down his whole career, to be honest. But his last few outings have been awesome. And AM did lose the uh the uh Saturday game three to one. But Moo Minifee came in after uh you know Micah Dallas had given up three run one run each of the first three innings. He came in and was just he he just shut uh shut Arkansas down after that. You know, no runs. I think he gave up one or two hits. He ended up coming out with one out left in the game, so he didn't quite finished the game, but had just close to four innings and near flawless uh, pitching, which is that's huge going forth. If they can get both of those guys who can serve in long relief roles, I mean, that's, that's huge. So yeah, just, yeah, this team, this team's exciting. This team's a lot of fun to watch and they're, they're, they're really exciting. Uh, the bats we've, you know, even looking just at, at the top of the order with, with Cole Kaler and Dylan Rock, both, you know, got on base. Um, Dylan Rock got on base five times. Um, three walks, two hits. Uh, you know, Cole Kaler also with a with a run scored and a, and a walk. They've just at the top of the lineup are getting production there, and then obviously, um, you know, Austin Boast with the big hit. Uh, but Troy Clunch and Brett Minich and and even getting Trevor Warner back in the lineup has helped. Down up and down the lineup, they've just been kind of getting contributions from all over and and some timely hitting as well. Yeah, Targach is only hitting you know something like two sixty, but has eight or nine home runs. Uh, Sam Houston this week, midweek game, but Sam Houston's yeah. dangerous team. So uh, hitting 313, I believe, is a club. They have uh, the nation's number two batting – they have a player with the nation's number two batting average, Contreras, I believe is his name. He leads the country in RBIs with 72. A&M's leader has like 40, which shows you. He leads the, the country in triples with six, and they have another guy over 400. So – you know, sort of a dangerous team coming uh, coming 60 miles down the road from Huntsville on uh, on Tuesday. And then Vanderbilt for a Thursday to, to uh, Saturday series. Vandy started out the season in the top five in the preseason rankings. Hasn't lived up to that. Has fallen out of the rankings, but a very dangerous team. I'd seen Kendall Rogers with D1 Baseball talking today about how no team wants to see Vanderbilt in its regional bracket. No host wants the Commodores yes. as number two seed. So, you know, that's going to be a really tough series this weekend in Nashville and, and isn't one that uh, A&M fans should take for granted at all. Yeah, no, I, honestly, one of the only two uh, road series left that A&M has. They have obviously uh, on the road against Vanderbilt and then Ole Miss to close out the year. But otherwise, after this, home for two series against South Carolina and Mississippi State. The season's kind of flown by, but you know, a big opportunity if AM can can kind of pick up a series win against Vanderbilt, really set themselves up going forward with with the rest of the way. Yeah, that closing schedule. So in the past 
three or four or five years, maybe. I just remember a lot of ranked teams. It was backloaded on the schedule. This year, mm-hmm. AM doesn't play Tennessee, the number one team in the country in the regular season. They don't yeah. they don't have them. And all of their other ranked opponents, they've played. Yeah. They've got the meat of the schedule out of the way. So, you know, baseball, you never know what's going to happen. Anybody can win any day. Anybody can win any series. But as long as they, you know, things stay sort of true to form, let's say they take two or three of the ones they're supposed to, that's a regional host. They, yeah. you know, they take care of business. They are a regional host. And that's a year off of a coach getting fired and AM missing the entire NCAA tournament for the first time in 13 seasons. So, I mean, it's amazing. Even from, you know, I watched the series loss against Penn. AM lost the series against an Ivy League team. That shouldn't happen. You watch that and you're like, okay, they're a couple years off. Well, Schlossnagel has this thing turned around. This team has gotten so much better throughout the season. They were also hitting like 254 in their conference play. Now they're up to 286. They were up to 290 before the Arkansas series. But I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, this team has just gotten better. And that's not something we've seen from A&M teams in the past few years. And think about how, you know, just looking at this and how difficult it is what they've been able to do with how many new faces they had on the roster and for how quickly these guys have been able to come together and and find a groove and, and, and get in sync. That's not easy to do. And, and um, you know, learning a new, learning a new staff, new principles, new, basically everything new and to, to kind of be hitting, hitting their stride midway through conference play and go through a pretty tough part of the schedule, the way that they have with, with Georgia and Arkansas, you know, on the road at Alabama beating Texas, you know, they've, they've, they've already racked up like, quite a few impressive wins and and then you know going forward i mean this this program's set up in, in really great shape now with 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 jim Schlossnagel. yeah there's four series left they've already passed surpassed their sec win total from a year ago so i mean that that shows you that yeah this season is they could lose every game left and they would still have more sec wins than they did a year ago so yeah, Schlossnagel, I think, might have been a good hire. Yeah. And if somehow it works out that either A&M plays in the TCU regional or TCU struggles Ooh, and plays in an A&M regional, <laughs> I mean, can you imagine there will be that, that will be sold out, even, no matter where it is, will be sold out. We'll have fans standing on roads. Every, I mean, just, you know, maybe some guys riding the train to try and watch it, watch it for a couple seconds as the train <laughs> passes, passes Olsen. So. That would be a very interesting postseason matchup. To say the least. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't think there would be any love lost from no. TCU fans. That would be, you know, <laughs> if this happened in Fort Worth, I mean, yeah, it would be a cut. And that's what D1 baseball last week before the Arkansas series when had AM as a two seed. And yeah. AM probably would still be a two seed today, you know, working their way up. But if that was the case, TCU would make the most sense because, you know, all the, the two seeds that are in the Big 12 can't play at another Big 12 team. So it would make sense to send it. Plus, I think the committee would think it was funny, you know, oh, like, Hey, let's see what happens. Yeah. No, they, you know, they're kind of in the back of the mind thinking if we can make this happen, let's, yeah. let's, let's try yeah, to we'll get, get some high, we'll get some high balls in this game. So. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to, we're going to touch on a little bit of recruiting. The coaches have been out on the road, seeing a lot of big targets over the past um, week or so. And um, a, a very strong performance from from one of AM's commits at the UC report over the weekend. We'll be right back after a quick break. All right, welcome back. Brian, um, the coaches have been busy over the past couple of weeks, heading out all over the state, 
Um, been by some some big spots like DeSoto. Um, have touched by Duncanville. Um, they went out to Permian. I mean, they've been all, in Permian. They mainly they stayed in the state of Texas last week. Even guys yeah. like Elijah Robinson, who will definitely make his way up to the East Coast, and and you know the Florida guys. But I think with uh, you know uh, Texas did not have their spring game until this past weekend, so their coaches were not on the road this week. This last week, Texas Tech same way, Baylor same way. So A&M's coaches were on the road, so they took advantage of that and just hit the state of Texas, and they were one of the only in-state schools that was out and about. And I think. Yeah, that was that was big. No doubt. And the other one, I, I do have to give a shout out to to Sam Houston. Sam Houston, everywhere I went last week, I kept hearing about Sam Houston. You know, Sam Houston's offense coordinator was here. Sam Houston's running backs coach was here. They were they were really active last week, just getting out on the road and, and getting out to a ton of schools. Um, they gave a and, great offer last week. It's this kid. His name's Hudson Peroni. Great last name. I don't, you know. But yeah, he yeah. You know, you know, Houston you know, made their way out to Stratford and. Yeah, offered offered my nephew. So yeah, I'd say they got a lot of places. <laughs> yeah, that you know, no matter what happened the rest of the week, that was a good week for Sam Houston. As long as they, did yeah, for sure, and they just yeah, get it, get him on campus, see what happens. So. <laughs> exactly, and uh, you know, one of the big places they stopped was was Derek Lag um, was down at Willis to see DJ Lagway, um, who really kind of seems like he's emerged as the as the guy that they're really prioritizing in this twenty twenty four class. And, you know, had another good weekend at the at the UC report. And, um, you know, A&M really seems to be firmly in the mix there. Yeah. So, you know, Elijah Robinson, the, the Houston areas have been sort of moved around a bit. Elijah Robinson did have Katie and sort of down in that area. He still has Katie, but now he has a little bit north, including Willis. So he on Tuesday was his first day on the road and he tweeted something going to see Q, future QB one, yeah. you know, they can't mention a player's name, but then, you know, the Willis coaches told me, Hey, uh, Elijah Robinson and Daryl Dickey from A&M just stopped by this morning. So yeah, hey, I think it's pretty obvious. And not only did A&M fans notice that he probably was talking about Lagway, but Lagway noticed it, retweeted yeah. it, said, thanks coach. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him about that at the, uh, at the ESPN underclassmen camp. And, you know, he said, you know, he's, he knows how the game's played, but he said it, it meant a lot that, you know, Annan would call him out like that, you know, QB one, because it's a good QB class. And, you know, Dylan, Dylan Rayola out now he's in Arizona, was at Burlington, Burleson under uh, John Kitna, but now he's in Arizona. You know, he's uh, one of the top guys. And then Lackway, most people have him just next. And, you know, A&M saying, Hey, basically telling him, hey, you're our guy, and they've been treating him like that. Uh, he's gotten to know Dick. He's gotten to know Robinson. He's gotten to know Jimbo Fisher. So, uh, yeah, that's went really well. And, you know, he had told me that he doesn't have a top group per se, but he did say uh, he's visited everywhere. That, that guy and, and his dad, they've made – yeah, they've tried to go everywhere. They've been Georgia, Georgia Tech, Clemson, uh, you know, some Florida schools, just really trying to make it – LSU, Alabama, everywhere. Uh, he went to Baylor this past weekend, his dad's alma mater. Uh, he said A&M, Alabama, and Georgia were the main ones that were, uh, yeah. you know, sort of standing out at the moment. Not necessarily a top three, but, you know, I think you can take it being, you know, sort of a top three. Georgia will be interesting. Rayola is a guy that for a while had a lot of, had some crystal balls uh, predicting him to Georgia. Now it seems Ohio State's gotten some momentum. So if they lose out on Rayola, Look for them to push even more on Lagway, and then Alabama has been uh, has been in on him. But the one thing he mentioned about A and M is that it feels like home. He's been there more than any other school except for probably Baylor, like I said, because his dad played there. 
Um, he said, it feels like home. And then when I asked him, hey, do you have a timeline for a commitment? He's like, no, I just want, I mean, I'm just going to go whenever I know somewhere's home. And that's what he mentioned with AM. So I think that bodes really well for the Aggies. Yeah. And just th- even thinking about it, like earlier this spring when, um, you know, he's obviously made a couple of visits already. And, and even just looking at the, the softball game when his, when his cousin was playing in town, um, after that game, where does he go? He goes inside the football facility and he just flipped on some film with the coaching staff. And, you know, this is not four o'clock in the afternoon. This was like nine o'clock at night after, you know, the AM staff had wrapped up practice just to dive into some film and, and start to learn, you know, philosophically where they, you know, where they kind of see him, where the offense is going, what are some key principles. And so, you know, you talk about that kind of home feeling and, you know, I, I think he does feel like he can, he can pop right over there at, you know, nine o'clock at night after a, after a softball game and just go hang with the coaches and spend more time around them and get, get to know them. And, uh, you know, they've done a really good job kind of building a, a strong relationship with him. And, and I think they're going to, they're really going to be in the mix through the distance Georgia's one for sure. And then it'll be interesting to see kind of where Oklahoma, Oklahoma is one of his, he picked up. An I mean, they, they, ju- they just offered they today. Offered oh, sorry. Today, so. They just offered Monday whenever it's there. Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that'll, that'll be interesting to see if they, you know, try to get in the mixture as, as well and, and where they kind of stand. Um, but, you know, I, I, th- I don't think A&M is going to take a backseat to anybody on that one. No. So one more thing with Lagway is this is sort of, you know, people just maybe a bit, to you know high school football specific but people that follow high school football the last few years spring has had one of the best offenses in class 6a in the state um they just they lined four guys up wide and just threw the ball all over the field and they had their quarterback bishop davenport went to utah state well where is spring head coach trent miller now just took the job at willis so lagway you know had a had a good sophomore year I think his offers probably are a little better than his film is. So, you know, schools are, are banking on the potential. And AM offered after seeing him at camp. So they liked him a lot there. But it is going to be really fun to see him in an offense with four wide and also where the quarterback can run. Because, you know, uh, DJ's an athlete. He's not, he's not a dual threat quarterback in a traditional sense. You're not going to do a lot of runs with him. But if he gets flushed out of the pocket, he can go. I mean, he's a baseball player, too, and has shown that athleticism in baseball. He played uh, wide receiver and DB some as a freshman. So, yeah, he's this, this this offense is going to be perfect for him and is probably going to cause him to get – if a school hasn't offered him now, once they see four games of his junior year in this new offense, he's likely to get that offer. So he's going to have every offer in the country as long as he does well in this offense. And early, you know, early feedback is even though – you know, he, he he can't he's not really full speed on throwing just yet because of, you know, the baseball on the shoulder and all that. But just early feedback is that it's been a very good thing for him no uh, with coaches seeing him in that. And that was a good call. A couple. I think it was last podcast uh, mentioning I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Willis hire a, a good offensive mind to come join him. And then a day later. Kind of there we go. They they brought on. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a big deal. I mean, they, it's easier as people may wonder, like, why would somebody leave spring for Willis or like so college station coach Steve Huff left for Decatur. You know, he he's yeah. won a state title college station was a runner up this past year. Well, schools that are one high school ISDs, usually yeah. the head coach is also the athletic director of the school district. So coaches love doing that. It's a higher it's more of a payday. So. 
you know, Miller goes there. He also lost his quarterback at spring, saw some other guys graduate. So maybe it was a good time to, you know, leave when when your stock is the highest, you know. But yeah, Willis, I guess he's not technically the AD there because Jason Glenn is the AD, yeah. uh, you know, former Aggie linebacker. He was in the same class as my brother, played at all named Nimitz. But, um, but still, just usually pays better to one high school deal. And I think probably like the idea of coaching DJ Lagway. I was about to say he's coaching a program on the rise that has, has steadily gotten better. So um, good spot for him. And um, also with that UC report, Colton Thomason had a really good show and won MVP um, along the offensive line and um, looks really good. I think he's he's had a really good spring so far. He's talked with both of us about, you know, continuing to just get in better shape and, and lose and lose weight. And he just his frame looks really good right now. Um and, you know, just even looking at those reps against Ashton Porter, um, I saw them in those two go at it in, in mid-February. And Ashton Porter was was probably the best lineman at that camp, giving him a good amount of trouble. And, um, you know, to come back two months later and, and have some really good reps and and play out a tackle as well um, kind of shows just, you know, he's he's on the upward trajectory, continuing to get better. And, um you know, he's, he's, he's moving really well. And, and that pers- positional versatility is going to be huge um, to be able to potentially play tackle, play guard, um, just just uh, heading in a really good spot. Yeah, so he's a big kid. Um, okay, this height is not correct, but they measured him yesterday. I said, what did they get you at? He said, 81 and a half inches. I'm doing a math. It's like, six, nine and a half? He said, yeah, I'm not that tall, but he's 6'8". <laughs> Yeah, and they got him at I think three twenty six, which at one point he was over four hundred. He was back down to about three fifteen. Three twenty six is probably what he should be playing at now because he looks yeah. he looks good. He looks like, but he's played guard the past three years at Smithson Valley. Well, this spring, moving out to tackle, and he played uh, you know played tackle at the the UC camp, played on the right side. So, you know, A and M when they offered and when they took his commitment, it was hey, you know, we'll get you on campus, figure out the best spot. But he only had ever played guard, so that's really tough to all of a sudden try to be blocking SEC edge rushers when you've yeah. never even blocked on the edge. So he's gonna now have some experience playing tackle, and you know, with his frame, I mean, a six eight kid, really long arms, you know, and you know, you saw in that rip against Ashton Porter. I mean, he's. You know, for a big kid, he had the footwork to move. So, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a, a huge development. The fact that, yeah. I mean, he's going to play tackle. And I think you'll see his ranking go up some on the camp. But once he has film at tackle, as long yeah. as it's good, which I don't see why it wouldn't be, but as long as it's good, I think that he goes up. He could go up even more and more. And AM could have got an absolute steal because I think AM, Texas was his first offer. And I think AM was his second offer. And he looked good at camp, but still a little bit of a surprise just because, you know, he was still, you know, a little raw. But I think that's going to pay off. I think it's going to pay off in the long run. And, and again, just, you know, if there's one thing we've kind of learned about Jimbo Fisher and, and what he likes to do, he's going to try to get the best five guys on the field, regardless of how that happened. But make no mistake about it, tackle is is a huge need for AM right now. To be able to find guys that, that can play out there, they've recruited a lot of interior guys and – to find a guy that will have the ability with his size and his length um, and to be able to move the way he, he was at the camp, I think is, is just a huge development for A&M to, to be able to build depth and, and have a couple more options to turn to on the outside 
is 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 really big news and you know just continuing on the on that offensive line front you know one I know both of you both you and I have, have touched on this over the last week AM's kind of re-engaged with Isaiah Robinson and, and it sounds like they might be trying to get him on campus next month um for a visit and he's a guy that's been down to AM a couple times but it was more uh his relationship was more with Josh Henson and so you know next month is going to be a chance for him to get down and and begin to get to know Steve Adazio, he really likes Jimbo Fisher, but um, he's another guy that at, at at a couple camps this year has won MVP awards and um, is, is is having another good spring as well. And so um, he's kind of another intriguing guy to to keep an eye on along the off on, at the offensive tackle spot uh, as A and M kind of looks to build that 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 side of the class. No, for sure. And we talked about the Louisiana guys last week, you know, Caden yeah. Jones and Tyree Adams are high three-star guys that could end up higher to watch for. Both of them seem to have really good upsides. Uh, they really would love to get Samson Okunlolo. I don't know how to say his name, but uh, from Massachusetts on campus, five-star. He does have interest in A&M, but they need to get him on campus. We saw last year, though, with Walter Nolan and several of those guys, Jacoby Matthews, once you get a guy on campus, Jimbo Fisher and the, the staff have proven that, that they can close ones that they didn't, you know, seemingly have the best shot at. So if they get him on campus, that would be huge as they just really need tackles. Ruben father is a tackle. Yeah. Trey Zoon is a tackle, but can also, you know, potentially be a guard, but really Ruben father is the, the true tackle on the roster and they need some guys to go with that, you know, just for depth, but also just, you know, to man that uh, sort of that left side. And when you look at just an indication, where was one of the first places that Steve Adazio went when when he arrived at AM was out to Thayer Academy to go see um Samson Akinlola's coaches. Um and so And then his first trip, his first trip this week or this past week when they stayed in Texas was to see Isaiah Robinson. And exactly. Isaiah's Robinson six foot seven, has the yeah. long arms, you know, he's a tackle all the way. So yeah. Um, you can just kind of see, and then you know Ian Reed's also in the mix. He's a, he's been yeah. on campus this this spring as well. So um, just some names to keep an to keep an eye on there, and then you know oh, not a, not a tackle, but I do like A and M's. Uh, I like where A and M stands with Harris Sewell. You know, out of it as yeah. a Permian guard, and he will be on campus for an official visit this summer. Uh, Colton Thomason is working really hard on him, but it sounds like both he and TJ Shanahan like A and M a lot. Anyway, once again, both of them are guards, but. They're both like maulers. They're mean, you know, line them up in the middle and, and run. So, I mean, that's, you know, you also need guards. So that'd be big. Um, so, yeah, this offensive line class could end up being pretty good. Um, and for those that 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 need five minutes to kill at work, um, just turn on TJ Shanahan's film. It's re- it's a really a lot of fun to watch. That guy um, plays with And then look up and Google a picture. Google a picture of him too, because yep. it's even more fun when you realize, you know, it's like <laughs> Wolfman out there just like dominating people. Westlake was so good this year. They were already going to be good were, without before he moved in yeah. from Orlando. He moves in, you know, a, a top 100 lineman and, you know, Kate Kovnick QB and just the defense was so good. Yeah. Shanahan was just mauling people. And might have delivered one of the best quotes, I think, still that. You know, when I asked him to describe himself as a player, he said, you know, I love to pancake guys, you know, kind of allow them to start to get back up and then pancake them again. And then once the play is over, I'll help you up and we'll go on to the next play. I, I just thought that was a fantastic kind of attitude and, and how he how he kind of and once you see him play on film, you're like, yep, that about matches up. 
I almost find it more demoralizing when I'm playing. It's like, <laughs> don't help me up. Like that shows you're showing pity on me, you know, like don't help <laughs> me up. So I bet there's some mind games. I bet he's thought about that one, you know. Just, oh, he uh, definitely has. There, there's there. no doubt. And I think, I think, you know, there were some questions on the board about whether he's a, he's a guard or he's a tackle. I think he's probably likely an interior guy. Yeah, he plays tackle at Westlake, but I mean, most high school linemen do play tackle, yeah. you know, and, and move in inside in college. I think he's definitely a guy that plays inside, but you know, running and running behind him would not be would not be bad at all. And um, he's a guy that I think I think has a really really good future. So um, you know, the A and M staff will be making more more stops this week. Um, I do believe they're going to make a stop this week at Marlin, uh, home to. To Darian Gallette and uh one note on him actually just just going down there last week and just the feel around Marlin is that AM is 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 sits in a, a really really strong spot right now. I don't think he's close to a decision at all, but you know, Alabama and Texas, um, he wants to get out and see Notre Dame and Oregon and, and some of those others. But you know, just where AM has put themselves right now, I think I think they put themselves in a really good spot for him and heading into the summer when, when official visits are going to take place, you know um, I just think they've, they've, they've built a really good relationship with them. So um, I expect A&M to stop by Marlin this week um, as they kind of continue their round of visits. Yeah. I know A&M fans were getting a little, you know, itchy just with only having three commits a week or so ago, but you know, take heed brothers. It's a, It's it's getting there, you know. They had it three in one week, and yeah. uh, they they're being very deliberate about official visits, bringing guys in in June. Uh, some of those will be after camp, so they'll know more, you know, who they like at certain positions. So uh, it may be a little quiet until June, as far as commitment wise. But this class has a chance to be uh, has a chance to be really good. And yeah, no, they- getting those three guys after the spring game. Uh, you know, one of them a punter and two national top 100 cornerbacks was, uh, you know, big for momentum. But that, you know, so you do have the momentum, and then when spring game comes, keyword. I mean, once uh, official visits come, sorry. keyword transcendent punter Brian. Transcendent. I I didn't I didn't say it this time, but yeah, he is <laughs> he is transcendent. Uh, Tyler, no, Tyler, you, you got a lot of fans, Tyler White. So yeah, you do. You sure do. And um, you know, kind of jump started a big week for for A and M, and you know, I think it. You you kind of touched on this on the board of the weekend that you know hey, June is kind of setting up to once again be kind of a big big official visit weekend or big official visit month with with camps that month as well and um, I think it worked pretty well last year just when you could consider you can get guys for the for you know your official visits in June and then have that week at the end of July to be able to do the the pool party and kind of build that momentum yeah. Heading into the latter portion of summer, it clearly worked with how with how. And then this way, out. when you got like Chandavian Bradley had told me he'll be back, uh, five star from Missouri, and he'll be back uh, for his official, likely the Miami game. So you can have one or two guys is that, and without having to focus on you know having ten commits in town on a game weekend, you know they'll still be in town. You know if it's anything like I don't know if there's going to be somebody that rents a house like Bobby Taylor <laughs> always did last year, but you know they'll still be in town for sure. Yeah. So. Uh, you know, it doesn't really change anything. You got those guys, and then they're able to really put laser focus on a few guys each week. I mean, there just weren't many uh, fall official visits at all this past year. It was sort of, you know, sort of weird, but, you know, you know, it, I, it obviously worked out. I think there was just such a rush because you hadn't seen guys and, you know, um, you hadn't seen guys in person for for so long that just last summer was really an opportunity to just, 
try to get as many as you could on campus and get those in-person react uh, interactions going. Um, Caleb Presley's another guy. He dropped a top group of schools last week. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see him try to make it back potentially in the fall for, for a game. I think he's, he's really high on A&M. Um, just said he wanted to see kind of a full Kyle field. That's what, that's what he's really looking forward to. So would not be surprised at all to see him get back on campus. Um, so with that, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, Brian and I will be on the road this week. I'm heading out to Waxahachie, uh, McKinney, uh, make it a couple other stops as well. I know Brian will be kind of I'm hitting gonna go see David Hicks. I'm going to go to San Antonio, do yep. several things. So. so we'll be all of, so there'll be, there'll be plenty of updates rolling in this week along the board. Again, just as a reminder, uh, if you like the podcast, hit that mash that like button on YouTube and, and you'll be able to get a, every every uh, notification when a new video comes out. Like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, and you'll again get a notification. Give us a, if you like us, uh, give us a five star review. Um, and we'd really appreciate that. So with that, Brian, uh, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up and, and we'll be back next week.